Hello, guys, and welcome back to another episode of Crooked Illness. If you are new here, my name is Paris Brinkevich, and I am the creator and host of the Crooked Illness podcast, where we get into all things health-related. The primary focus of the podcast within the umbrella of health-related topics is mental health and mindset. I began Crooked Illness as a way to motivate, inspire, empower, and educate people on these interesting topics. My background and passion for starting Crooked Illness stems from the field of psychology. After completing both my BA in psychology and MBA in healthcare administration, my passion for mental health only continued to grow. As a result of this, I decided to start Crooked Illness to bring more awareness, tips, and conversations to the table about these topics. I offer my perspective on the work I've done and how it inspired me to begin this podcast. Along with this perspective, I also speak about my personal experience with mental health and how I use those experiences to help educate, inspire, and motivate others. I really enjoy doing interviews and connecting with people who also love to discuss and learn more about mental health. If you would like to learn more, become a guest, or connect, feel free to reach out to me by shooting me a message on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, or to my email of crookedillness at gmail.com. Hello, you guys. I am super excited to talk to you guys about this episode. So as you can see, we are going to be getting into this topic today, a story on overcoming cancer and mental strength. I'm going to be having this conversation today with a guest of mine who I'm so excited to introduce you guys to her. I won't do that yet, because it's coming up very soon right after this little intro that I'm creating to tell you guys about this episode, why I wanted to make it, and why I was so excited to record it. So I decided to do this episode with my guest because she has a very inspiring story on overcoming cancer along with the mental strength that helped her get through that experience and also the fact that she how she has developed this mental strength throughout her entire life and the habits that she does on a daily basis that help continue her moving forward in her career in what she does for work and she does really something really cool. She is an announce she announces these events that I'll I'll, I'll get, I'm going to get into it after this, but I'm not going to say too much about her because I will be introducing you guys to her in a minute, but besides that, she is has such an incredible mentality on overcoming hard times, obstacles, struggles and how to do that and how to go about being more like that. And having that resiliency and developing developing these habits that you know, some people might struggle with, like when it comes to eating good, dieting, exercise, doing the things that help help us in our mornings and our routines and things like that. She has it down, down really, really well and shares with me how she went about getting her routine that way and how everything boils down to a choice. And that choice is that she chooses to be this way. And the fact that we all have the power to choose to choose that. And I know sometimes when we're going through a hard time or a struggle or something is in front of us that we're very difficult is very difficult situation that we find ourselves in, it almost seems impossible and easier to become consumed with that struggle instead of, you know, figuring out how to overcome that or how to see that as an advantage in some sort of a way to moving forward. And she has a lot of insight on this and a lot of experience with this. So I'm so glad she got to share 
is going to get into some of these tips along with, you know, the importance of the relationship between our physical health and our mental health and how she has really been able to master that and also teach others that as well and show other people, you know, how that's important and how that helps in our quality of life and our quality of living and all things like that. So we get into that conversation as well, along with another piece that we get into, which I love talking about, um, is being able to separate ourselves from toxic relationships and negativity when it comes to self-talk and our own dialogue with ourselves, how we feel about ourselves, how we see ourselves, how we talk to ourselves, and how all of that really enhances our life or makes it worse. So she shares that with me and the things that she did does to avoid that and how she is able to do that. So it's really powerful and I'm really happy that we got to dive into all these topics together and just chat with her and hear more about her story, her journey, her experiences, all the the struggles that she faced and how she's been able to turn those into things that have taught her so much and continue to help her move forward in what she is doing. And it's awesome, guys. So I hope that you really enjoy this episode as much as I enjoy creating it with her and putting it together. So yeah, let me know what you guys think of this episode. You can always do that by messaging me on Instagram at Crooked Illness or shooting me an email at crookedillness at gmail.com. All right, guys. Bye. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Crooked Illness. Today, we are going to be hearing an incredible story on overcoming cancer and the mental strength that played a role in this story. Here to tell this story is my guest, Fitz Kohler. I am glad Fitz and I got to connect and chat and are now able to virtually sit down and have this conversation today. Fitz is a fitness innovator with a master's degree in exercise and sports science from the University of Florida, who has been teaching fitness around the globe for decades. She's president of her own company, Fitness International LLC, a fitness company that specializes in providing fitness education through mass media. Fitz is also a professional race announcer who hosts some of the largest running events in America and author of her new memoir, My Noisy Cancer Comeback. So without further ado, welcome Fitz to the podcast. Thank you, Paris. And hi, everybody. Yes. Excited to have you here today to dive into the story because you guys, her story is incredible. I got to chat with her before sitting down to record this. So I'm happy to have her here to dive into this with us all. So before we get right into it, I would love if you could tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey so far. Yeah. So I do a lot of things that help me laser focus on doing one very particular thing, which is helping folks live better and longer. So I do that uh, as a fitness expert in front of massive audiences. So whether TV, radio, books, magazines, a lot of corporate speaking and spokesperson work, I've worked with companies like Oakley, Disney, Tropicana, Office Depot, et cetera, et cetera. And so I'm I do a good job in making a very compelling case as why fit as as to why fitness is necessary 
and um, helping people understand that it's not so hard to get it done. You know, it's a, it's a pretty simple, stupid science. You watch what you put in your mouth, you move your body, you get some sleep, you remove the cranky people. <laughs> really, there's no, no diet pill, powder supplement that is a magic cure. You just gotta kind of plug or long and do the right thing. Um, as far as race announcing goes, what a gift, man. It is one of the most exciting things in the world to be in my shoes on race day. I work with some of the largest, most prestigious events. I announced the LA Marathon, Buffalo Marathon, Philadelphia, Big Sur Marathons, OC Marathon. I announced the DC Comics Wonder Woman and Batman Run series. And so basically wow. on race day, race organizers hand over 5,000 to 35,000 people and say, hey, let them know what they need to know get them organized and get them off, make sure they have a really fun time. And that's what I do. So you'll find me on stages at the start and finish line. And, you know, as people arrive to event, I'm playing killer music and welcoming them, letting them know about the course they're about to conquer, plug sponsors. And then we just have a heck of a lot of fun. I'm very unscripted. It's just about making the 20,000 people I'm standing in front of feel like we're best friends sitting in our car, pumping music before we go do something cool. So I yell go and they take off. And then when they come back to the finish line, I'm there to welcome them mostly by name and make every last finisher feel like they won the race. So wow. it's wonderful. I love that. And I love, I just love your energy and just how exciting you are and just so like this <laughs> explosive energy. I love it. And I could totally see, see you out there doing that and just doing that and making those moments so powerful for these people. And I love when you bring up that point of talking about, you know, how fitness seems like a simple science, you know, with eating and all these, yeah. all these things, it seems, you know, when you think about it, it seems very simple, but there's so many people who really have a hard time and struggle with all of these different pieces and putting it together. So I think that's awesome that you really dedicated a part of your life to fitness and, and helping people with those different things. So, um, you know, I'd love to hear you, you know, talk a little bit more about the, the fitness aspect and cause I know you, you do a lot of work with, you know, children as well. So what, what kind of stuff did like, what inspired you to get into, into fitness? I actually started teaching classes when I was 14. Um, I had blown up my knee playing soccer, was injured, had surgery, uh, went to physical therapy. That PT recommended I join a local gym to continue strength training so I wouldn't re-injure that knee. And so I did. And it was a local gym called Spa Lady in Fort Lauderdale. And I fell in love with the environment. I I just thought it was great to be there. I took classes. I thought the instructors were cool and I liked their leotards and um, it was just a fun place to be. I was actually, so I'm an earner. I, I'm someone who's always liked to make a buck, even when I was five, cleaning yes. my dad's office, you know? <laughs> so I was working at Cinnabon at the mall doing the direct opposite of healthy living. Love it. And uh, yeah, that manager got real cranky. So I decided to leave that job and I applied at the gym and they said, uh, have you ever taught classes before? I said, no. And it was a Tuesday. And the guy goes, you want to teach a class on Friday night? And thank God I'm such a gamer. Cause I was like, okay. And you were 14, 14, <laughs> I was 14. And I gave it a go and it went really well. And I had, I told those uh, students, there's about 30 of them. I said, Hey, listen, this is my first class. I'm going to do my best. Let me know 
at the end of class what I can improve on. And they did. They said, um, you could be more creative with your upper body choreography, my arm movement. And then it's funny because one of them said I could be louder. And my <laughs> nickname is noisy now. <laughs> like I think, how in the God's earth was I ever not loud enough? But um, but yeah, I just fell in love with it. And then my I, I stuck with teaching fitness, went to UF, taught at their gym. I took a summer break and I taught overseas in about 17 different countries and then I came back to UF and there was a TV producer having an audition so I stepped up to the plate and was hired and so then I was teaching on television and I not only enjoyed the experience of teaching to the camera but what I really enjoyed was the aftermath when strangers would come up and say I love your show I work out with you all the time and I've lost a ton of weight and this has really changed my life and so that expansion of teaching instead of just affecting the 50 people in front of you at a gym being able to reach thousands or millions of people all across the state or the country or the world really uh, became appetizing to me and i decided to pursue that with a vengeance as my profession and i've never looked back i love what wow. i do wow that's incredible i like i love how you talk about you know being able to reach all of these people from all over the place yeah. and also another another thing that i really noticed about you from talking with you is just the mental strength that you yeah. have. Like, it's just, yeah. it's insane. So I'd love to get into that and, you know, talk to me about the role that your mental strength played in your experience pre, during, and post-cancer. Yeah. So we all have choices and, uh, I'm very, deliberate about who I am and who I want to be and where I'm going. I always have been. And mind you, things haven't always been, you know, things have never been perfect. I don't believe in perfect. I was an overweight teenager turned bulimic. You know, there was, a, I had obstacles too, but I found the more clarity I had in my, again, my end game, what I wanted to be and how to get there, the easier life became. So um, choices, discipline, and then it's not only choices about what you're going to do or, or, or even how you're going to look, right? It's um, who you want to be. You know, I am someone who admires strength. I admire confidence. I admire grittiness. And so to be anything less than just isn't appealing to me. So, uh, yeah, I don't allow, I say I don't allow myself. In many cases, I choose not to be weak. I choose not to crumble. I choose to stand up. And I certainly choose to put that side of me out publicly, almost exclusively. I, I, I see we all have a lot of friends on social media posting, oh, I sprained my ankle. Pray for me. And I think for the, <laughs> really? You're going to eat up those prayers on a sprained ankle? Get a grit. So um, yeah, um, my profession and who I actually am would be a beacon of health and happiness. And I, I, I try very hard not to let anything else slip in. And I think that's, I think that's so amazing. The fact that you, you mentioned having that mental strength at all, just throughout your entire life, no matter yeah. what it is, no matter what you're faced with, no matter what obstacles you're dealing with and even cancer, you know, the fact yeah. that you go through and because I, I know, you know, everyone d handles that differently and experiences that differently, but for you to continue doing what you're doing, continue going out and announcing races and doing your work. And, you know, you, one of the things that really stuck with me last time we talked is you were saying, you know, I, it would be acceptable for you just to stay under the covers and stay home and not want yeah. to go anywhere and, you know, to have that, um, 
kind of an approach and mentality to it, but you really, you're just not that person. And, you know, having this attitude and because I kind of think about that and I'm like, you know, having that approach and taking that attitude to things is really what helps. I feel like people power through things is when you go in that way rather than like, yeah. do you feel like that? Letting, letting things consume you. Cause I feel like when you, when you kind of get to that point where you feel, you know, powerless and consumed by something that you can't move forward, that almost makes it very difficult to do that. Yeah. So I'll, I'll start off by saying that, yeah, the cancer diagnosis was absolutely terrifying. I definitely thought for a good portion of time that I was going to die. And the thought of not seeing my kids grow up just was gut-wrenching. It was a really difficult experience. And while I do talk about strength and discipline and all those things that make me me, I would say almost every day for a very long time, I sat alone in my bathroom and sobbed or alone in my car and sobbed and shook. And I was a bit of a basket case. But when it, con- when it came to presenting myself back to even my family, you know, my, I have a husband who cared and he did all the things you're supposed to do as a caregiver of a cancer patient. But I didn't want to stress him out even more by being a blubbering mess. I just, I, I have the ability to make those choices and I made them, you know, I, uh, I kept perspective. I always thought, you know, I'm not a kid going through cancer. It's not my kid going through cancer. And fortunately for me, it wasn't one of those more typically lethal types of cancer. So I, I kept thinking, well, it could be worse. Suck it up soldier. Um, you know, I chose from the get-go and it's funny, I made a video. I would have kept it all private had I not, um, been destined to stand on stages bald for, you know, I, I think I landed on, I don't know, 75, hundred stages throughout the year. I knew I was going to be bald. My hair had gone from waist length, long, luxurious golden locks to not us. So I, I knew in advance, okay, I have to reveal the truth. I have to tell people what we're going through, but I made that video and I said, Hey guys, listen, got this diagnosis. It stinks, but they've promised me a cure. Uh, I'm going to feel bad, but I'm going to be fine. I expect zero pity. And that means everything to me. I mean, I hate pity. I hate asking for pity. I hate receiving pity. I don't want anything to do with pity ever, period. And then um, I said, you can root for me, but expect I will show up at all of my events and I will perform as expected. And, uh, you know, I'll get through this. I'll be fine. And so, of course, I was so naive. I had no idea what I was actually in for. But the choices that I did make was to continue only to allow people at that point to see me stand up. Because I knew if I would have put some sort of photo of me on social media from the hospital getting blood transfusion, saying, oh, gosh, I'm so sick. Pray for me. Man, there would have been an avalanche of pity. And uh, no, I don't, it wouldn't have benefited me. You know, you don't get any points for being the saddest girl. You don't get any extra money, any extra cure. You know, the doctor's like, oh, let's give her the good stuff now. She's really, really sad. So yeah, um, I wasn't perfect about it. And again, I certainly was scared and stressed to the max. But when it came to my work and my family and even my friends, I just decided to smile, pretend everything was fine, and then figure it out behind the scenes. And so um, while I went through treatment, I, I told nobody about all the bad things that were happening. I just kept saying, I'm fine, I'm fine. <laughs> and then now that it's all over, and I, nobody can pity me now because it's over. Now I've re- revealed all the juicy, gory details in my memoir. And I mean, cancer is crazy. And, and 
you know, people say, oh, you're going to be, you might be sick or tired or bald. And I was all of those things. But nobody tells you about the minutia, about the weirdest, bizarre, most crazy things that go on. And as basically every millimeter of my body was um, being decimated and I was having all these crazy reactions, I, you know, I started taking notes and then I started thinking, man, this is kind of funny. I mean, yes, I was suffering, but it was outlandish. And I thought people would have a, a really good laugh at my expense. I mean, my eyes changed colors. Wow. My wait, eyes changed wait, colors. Wait, what? Tell me about that. Wait, your eyes, so, so your eyes are blue, right? Well, blue. they are now. They, they are, were, but they were gray before. So I, people wow. were always like, wow, your eyes are so gray. They're, wow, they're not blue. They're gray. And they were, they were a bluish gray, but they were pure gray. And then wow. I woke up one morning in Monterey, California to announce the Big Sur Marathon. And I take a shower, which is quick because I'm bald. So that was convenient. And I go to the mirror and then my eyes look like black saucers. They were navy blue. The whole people was just navy blue. And I thought, oh crap, what the hell is going on? You know, are they, wow. are they navy? What wow. happened to my gray eyes? And then, and then I thought, well, my vision isn't screwy. So I just got to get out there. There's thousands of people waiting for me. So my um, partner, my announcing partner, Rudy, he shows up and he knocks on the door. And I thought, well, maybe I'm just seeing my eyes wrong, right? So I open up the door and he goes, what the hell happened to your eyes? And I go, I know, they're navy. And so now they're kind of royal blue. Wow. That is, I've never heard, see, like, that's what I like about that you bring up in the book that you talk about these things that nobody Nobody. knows. No one tells you, no one really knows about unless someone tells you who experienced that. And you're putting that in there. And I also love how you were talking about the, the fact that you made that video when you made the video telling people about the diagnosis and doing that. And I, cause I think that, you know, I really feel like there's so much power in vulnerability and not necessarily having to come out and, you know, be crying and in tears and saying all these things, but for you to do that and, you know, to let people know what's going on, but to say, you know, I'm still going to continue to do what I'm doing. I'm still going to go out there and do all these things. You know, you don't need to, um, you know, you you know, feel a certain way or say, Oh no, like leave all these comments of things like that. Because, you know, I feel like I'm very similar to you in that way too, is I, I don't, I don't like that either. And I don't, you know, I would never want to put that on, like, I don't know. It's just, I don't really, I don't see the benefit. Like what you're saying is what is this going to do to help you move forward in your life by receiving, you know, and, 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 you know, it might come from a good place, you know, the person That's right. saying that it's not really necessarily like they're trying to negatively impact you, you know, but, it, but the message, you know, for you receiving that, doesn't feel good because you're trying to continue to do what you're doing, live your life, do all these things. And, you know, from talking to you, it almost seems like, you know, you've always had this mental strength. Cause I was thinking, I'm like, did this, did you like, were you, were you not that way before? Did you develop this over (laughs) time? Like how did, you know, were you always like that? Yeah. I want a a version of this. Yeah, Yeah. for certain. And, um, yeah, I, I resented I, I never thought, why me, right? But I resented cancer trying to take anything from me. I did. I refused to let it take time with my kids and I refused to allow it to take my career. Now, mind you, we had to be tricky. We had to, uh, I reached out to my race directors in advance. I was like, listen, guys, I'm coming, but I need some IV fluids in your town. Can you arrange that? And these poor guys who put on these mega race events with 
traffic management and thousands of people coming and going. Now their new obligation was to figure out how the hell to get Fitz Kohler, our noisy race announcer, IV fluids. And, um, but we did those things and they were, the running community was incredible, but they worked overtime to help me stay on my feet. My doctors, they went to bat for me. They never once said, um, stay home. And so the reality is, is I did hit rock bottom and my blood counts were poor and I was hospitalized here and there. And I'm sure I probably would have escaped some of that if I had stayed home. But my life was so much better. And no matter how bad it got, I mean, I would go from sleeping on a hotel bathroom floor all night. Cause you, and, and isn't that weird when you're sick, why it feels good to sleep on the floor? Yeah, no, I, I agree floor. with you. I feel like that's very, like, that's, I've definitely, you know, experienced that. And I feel it's like that's- Why? <laughs> yeah. So anyways, I'd go from the hotel bathroom floor and I'd get dressed and I'd show up on my stage. And no matter how sick I was, right before I stepped on that stage, once I did, it was like someone hit my on switch and I was being fueled by runner generated go-go juice and adrenaline. And I got to be Fitz Kohler for sometimes four hours, sometimes 10 hours. I was a machine because I was surrounded by people I cared about. I had a task at hand and uh, I was driven. And, you know, part, part of the story or I guess other cancer patients, what I want them to know is that, you know, if they want to stay home the whole time, and some of us, you know, at times you're forced to, right? You come out post-surgery, you got to stay home. But they can truly live while fighting to survive. And so perspective went a long way. But pursuing my passions, you know, again, my profession and my kids were the things that fueled me. But maybe, you know, you love music or gardening or painting. You have to keep doing some version of those things. You love animals, great. If you can't go visit the farm, fine. Sit in your hotel or your hospital bed and watch cute little animal videos on uh, your cell phone. I mean, it, it all adds up. And, you know, I, I just want people to know that it's okay if they try to keep living. And I, I think they should. It certainly enhanced my experience. Yeah, I think that I think that is so important and huge, a huge thing that you bring yes. up that is it's crucial to any kind of recovery and anything that you're experiencing. I think that isn't a, a really important thing, but I'd love to get, ask you, you know, cause just the way that you are and with being this mentally strong with fit, going through what you went through all these experiences, you know, I'd love to ask you, you know, what are some of the habits that you've developed and, or like things that you do on a daily basis that, that keep you working at this level that you're at? Um, so again, I make choices. I'm very deliberate about my actions. I know who I am and who I want to be. And that really is, I think I, you know, I make no excuses, right? So if I want to accomplish something, failure only can be mine, right? I'm the only person who can cause failure because I'm in charge of me, but you know, I wake up and I exercise, exercise, whether you're in bad shape, exercise gets you in better shape. It allows your joints to be more mobile and you know, if you're feeling sticky and yuck in the morning, a good stretch, a walk of the dog, some fresh air, all of that builds up your psyche, your energy, healthy food goes a long way. You start, if you're eating crap, crap goes in, you just feel bad. It's, it's the reality of the situation. I get sleep. I 
am highly committed to quality sleep. So I'm a nerd. I go to bed sometimes nine, sometimes 10, and I don't feel bad about it. And then the other thing is I only surround myself with quality people. I have no, I, I feel no obligation towards blood connections. So, so many people are in miserable relationships because they were born into a family full of jerks and they refuse to remove themselves from it. Um, independence goes a long way financial even if you live below your means so you never get stuck but um, if you have a spouse or a friend or a neighbor or a boss and they're making your life miserable get them out of your life seek out other quality people and so those are really um, the factors exercise quality intake food and drinks sleep and then i remove the cranky people i'm Again, I'm in control of me. I even have a horrible mean sister. She's a terrible human being. I have no idea how we were raised in the same house. And it's a sad story, but I don't have anything to do with her. And I don't feel even remotely bad about it because she's toxic. And, uh, and the other thing, I don't want to demonstrate to my children that they should ever stay in a relationship with someone so uh, spiteful. So, you know what I'm saying? So yes, yes. I think that's huge. You know, the fact that you bring up, cause I think that's something that everybody could learn something from, you know, if, maybe if you were in a place in your life where you felt you couldn't remove certain people or like you Probably said, you know, there can, yes, yes. <laughs> always an yes. escape plan. Yes. And just letting, you know, being able to speak on that, especially, and also, you know, the other thing you mentioned, you know, that relationship between physical and mental health, like what you're yes. doing with working out, eating yeah. the right foods and just how, how impactful that is. Because yeah. if you're somebody, you know, who's trying to make a change and you start to do these little, little things and, yeah. and, you know, you, you don't always have to go huge and make these drastic wild changes. That's another yeah. thing you brought, brought up before too, as well. And I think, that's, that's huge. And especially the quality of your life, like you said, you know, you're surrounding yourself with people who lift you up, who support you, who are good for you mentally, who are there yeah. and just what, and that, the importance that is, and you know, what that really does for you. And, you know, just all these different things that, you know, you hear about all, all the time, right. You know, drink your water, eat your fruits, eat your vegetables, go work yeah. out all these things. But, you know, when you really start to to do those things as a habit. It's a daily thing. It's not just, you know, okay, you know, once a week I'll, you know, and then maybe I'll get back to it whenever, but you're, you made the commitment. You're committed yeah. to what you are doing and you're very serious about that. And I think that's the, the key is that you, you made that choice. I do. I make choices every day and I control what I can, but when it comes to control, here's the other thing. I also know that the things that I can't control that I need to let them go. Mm -hmm. And so I never sit and stew about things that are outside of my power. You know, I might have that moment of frustration and then I just poof, let it go into the air. And it's not a magic power. Some people look like, how on God's earth could I let this go? Well, just let it go. Yes. You choose yes. control what you can, get past the things that you can't. And, you know, I'm type A, but I am type A in a positive way. I am not type A in a way where, you know, um, an older person in my family, I'm not going to call the person out by their relationship, but that person loves to worry, loves to fret, is constantly panicked and on the edge. And, and her type A behavior is completely detrimental because she stays locked in her house. She misses out on, on fun experiences all the time because she's always worried about the speck on her counter, et cetera, et cetera. And for me, I use my type A behavior to 
enhance my situation, keep me moving in a positive direction, control my health. Now, I, I couldn't control the cancerous cell invaded my boob. I couldn't just make undo that, but I could take action by finding a great oncology team and then taking their advice. Now, mind you, anyone going through medical condition know that your medical team, they're consultants. You are in charge of them. So they, you, you bring them your specimens. I hear this is what's going with me and they'll, they'll make their suggestions. You can accept or deny. And I think that's important that everybody knows you're actually still in control yeah. of your medical health. Once a doctor makes their recommendation, you can always say, eh, I disagree. I'm going to go to another doctor. Or, you know, in my case, I really uh, I researched my doctors well. They came highly recommended. They gave me their advice. I looked it up and it all made sense. So I said, yep, let's go. But so I was doing those things that um, I could to control my situation without really having full control over the situation. But, uh, but yeah, it's, we have to take responsibility for ourselves. Yeah. And I think the way that you, another thing that I get, I pick up on from what you just said is the way that we talk to ourselves and yeah. that inner dialogue that we have with ourselves and consciously making the decision to, you know, like we, we, we talked about this before, you know, the things that we say and the power that that has over our decisions, over our yeah. actions, over our habits, when we're telling ourselves, you know, this won't work out, I'm stuck, I can't. And like you said, letting go of the things that you can't control and not yeah. letting those things hold on to you, not yeah. letting those situations really and make you feel like you are stuck and just the, the way that, you know, you are with that. So I'd love to hear, you know, from you, like what has been the greatest lesson that you've learned from the way that you speak to your own self? Uh, you know, when I was a teenager, I was 45 pounds heavier than I am now. And I had that mean sister that was constantly telling me her mantra every day was you're fat and you suck at soccer. She would just Aww. walk by me in the house. I know it was mean. It was mean. And I went from a really kind of thin little kid to an overweight kid. We had bad habits. So I did put on weight and I was always trying to lose it. And I didn't have a fitness expert giving me good information. I was just kind of reading magazines and taking every stupid diet and all the things that don't work I was trying. But um, when I was trying to lose weight because I hated my hips and I hated my tummy area, my waistline, I, I couldn't do it. I, I just, I kept failing and I was so mean to myself. And again, I became a bulimic. And then I started kickboxing. I, I trained to become a competitive kickboxer. And before my first fight, they told me, hey, there's a girl, she's 14 pounds less than you. And, and uh, fight sports, you have to be of similar weight. I said, if you can drop 14 pounds by next Friday, it was like eight days away, you can fight. And I, I said, okay, now here's the deal. When I wanted to lose weight because I hated myself or my body, it, was, it never panned out. But when I wanted to lose weight because I had this really fun adventure in front of me, it was so easy. I had this elite discipline because I was moving towards something instead of moving away from something and I wasn't abusing myself. So uh, yeah, being, being mean and uh, abusive to yourself just doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I learned that there are steps, you know, there are steps you got to take to achieve the things you want. I, I execute a lot of discipline. I'm very aggressive as a professional, I think, again, in a good way. And I, I 
take responsibility of my own failures. If I blow it, if I don't return an important call or send an email or miss an appointment, I, I'll beat myself up for a few minutes because I deserve it. And then I step in, up and I do better. You know, it's, um, I'm, I'm evolving. I, I don't expect perfection, but yeah. And when I, when I treat myself kindly and set high goals for myself, I always seem to do really well. Yeah. I think that's so important that you talk about that and the fact that you do that and what that, what doing that has done for you and the yeah. way that you speak to yourself and how that has, you know, cause I feel like there's two ways you can really go, you know, you can either go up or down and you uh -huh. choose that. And it's, and that's, that's really, you know, it's, I feel like sometimes when, you know, you find yourself in a situation and you're, 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 you know, like you said, you beat yourself up over, over things, then you, then you move on. But in that moment when you're doing that and you're beating yourself about up about whatever went on, I feel like it can be, you know, you can either continue doing that. You can continue that behavior right. of, you know, I suck. I'm the worst. I forgot whatever it is. And then, or you can figure out what are the next steps to get me to where you want to be. And like you you said it's so important, especially, you know, with, when you talk about weight loss or fitness, you know, and just how people, how people see their own, how do you see yourself? You know, cause, cause everyone always is going to have an opinion, right. Or, or some right. kind of comment or, you know, something about how you look, how you speak, how you dress, but how do you feel about you? And I that feel like that's what carries so much weight. Well, you know, at Paris, I've, I have a strict policy of um, not making it my business what anybody else yes. thinks of me. So, you know, I, I remember when I started teaching group classes and in my style of instruction is very loud. I have loud music, big energy, go, no go, way. go. I could never right? say <laughs> But, you know, I knew that if you brought in a hundred random people into my class, 50% of them would love me. The other 50 would hate me, not because I'm a bad person or I'm a bad instructor, but maybe they just like things a little more chill and that's their prerogative. So I don't, I don't yield much to other people. I will um, comply to boundaries of a race organization, you know, if they have certain parameters, but those things rarely uh, interact with my personality or any, they, they rarely change who I am on the stage. I might have to say things differently for them, but for the most part, I'm Fitz Kohler and you take me or you leave me. And if you leave me, that's okay. I hope you have success with other things. And, and I think that also goes a long way is just really wanting the best for other people. I'm not bitter when someone doesn't want to work with me. I get it. I'm like, okay, well, I hope you're successful anyways. I truly feel that we can all win. And because of that, I don't have to stew. You know, I just, I'm not a bitter person. Yeah. I love that. And the fact that you, cause I think that's such an important thing to learn. Cause I know my dad's a lot like that. Like, like how you mentioned, you know, like he's always been like, you know, it's, it's funny because when you say other, what other people think, cause I remember being younger and caring so much about that so yeah. much about, you yeah. know, like, why doesn't this person like me or what, you know, what, like what's going on and trying to please people and change to make it. And it's just ridiculous. And I, and you know, he's just, it's, you know, it's like to, to have that trait is, is huge and help and, and being able to develop that. I feel like if you don't have that, it, it takes time, but it's so worth it because, yeah. you know, if you're able to continue doing what you're doing, working towards your, what you love and what you enjoy. And like you said, you know, you have a class where, you know, 50% of the people love it. 
are so into it, love what you're doing. And then other people yeah. might not, but, and then you being able to let go of that and not hold on to it and leave that class and be like, why didn't they like it? What it was wrong? What can I, you know, just understanding that sometimes, you know, you're, you're not for everyone. No one's nope. for everyone. No, nope. that's you know? right. That's and right. if you're trying to be, you know, there's this quote, you know, I hope I get it right, but it's, if you're trying, <laughs> if you're trying to be everything for everyone, you end up being no, nothing no to no one. Absolutely. So, yeah. And the other thing I think, um, well, I know makes a difference in my life is I am a joy addict. I will find happiness in any situation, even the worst situations. And I, and I did that a lot through my cancer care. I just like, okay, well, this is the good thing. You know, I look for silver linings and because of that, I find them. It doesn't mean that life is, isn't hard sometimes. It doesn't mean that cancer didn't devastate me at times, but I was constantly seeking out the silver linings. And sometimes you really have to look in order to find them. Wow. Well, see, that's, that's amazing. That's incredible. Being able to find the joy in things that are not that you, that, you know, you're, experiencing cancer and no, not who sits there and is like, this is great. Amazing. Best right. time ever, no, you yeah. know, but you being able to take things away from whatever it is and laugh about it, have yeah. a good time, smile, whatever that yeah. is. And really, you know, being able to be like that because, you know, I'm virtually talking to you right now and through the screen, I can <laughs> tell you are just a ball of joy. Oh, you yeah. are, you know, I can just, you know, just your personality, the energy you bring, you know, the work that you do and all of this stuff is amazing. And I'm so glad that we got to connect and that I got to hear about your story and ha I have to read your book. Once I finish it, I'm going to reach out to you and tell you what I think and share it with everybody. And you guys listening, she, her memoir, my noisy cancer comeback. Did I, my noisy cancer comeback, my noisy cancer comeback. That's my noisy right. Noisy Cancer comeback. It's amazing. She, she has such a great approach to every struggle, obstacle situation, especially cancer. So if you know somebody with cancer or struggling with, or any, anything, I mean, this is just like the outlook she has and the, the way that she approaches obstacles, hard times is, is great. And you can learn from that. So go check it out. She's awesome. And, you know, thank you to you. Thank you, Fitz, you know, for being, thank you, being Paris. <laughs> yes. And, co and coming on the podcast and sharing your story and sharing all these awesome tips and things that you do. And cause they're, they're so great and they're so helpful. So thank you so much for just doing this. I appreciate the opportunity to share and you're a great host. Oh, thank you so much. So everyone listening, you guys, I hope that you have a great rest of your day, morning, nighttime, whatever time it is when you're listening to this. So bye everyone. And also bye Fitz. Bye. All right, guys, that is the end of this episode. I hope you enjoyed this one as much as I enjoyed creating it. As always, if you guys would like to get in touch with me to talk about becoming a guest or to share your thoughts on this episode with me, you can do that in a number of ways. You can shoot me an email to crookedillness at gmail.com. You can send me a DM on Instagram at crookedillness, or you can message me on my Facebook page at crookedillness as well. I hope you guys have a beautiful rest of your day and thank you so much for listening to Crooked Illness.